Calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. Welcome back to Calling All Beings. It is a very special episode. Welcome. I'm your host, DJ, along with my co-host. The other cabbies are here tonight. You see him smiling. You see what a sexy animal he is right there. That is Flarius Kevin. And, of course, everybody knows the woman who bringing everybody up in her joint right there, the host of Triple D, Deb's Data Dojo, at a study of UAPs. Deb, how are you doing this evening, ma'am? I'm doing great, and I'm going to pretend that I have a black and blue shirt like you guys. Okay. All right. Yeah, you should. Right. You know what? We should have talked about this before the show, Deb, but that's okay. It's okay. Kat, how, how are you, sir? We going to get it tonight? Oh, me? Ah! To me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 you, yeah, yeah. The guy with the- I'm just looking at me. I got, I got a shirt on. I'm like, wow. Even, well, even you're person? turned on by you. That's great. Wow. All right, so a very special episode tonight. A lot of you are wondering where our co-host, the co-creator, the co-collaborator of this joint, who uh, created this joint with me, Money Nathan is, and that's because he's going to be the guest tonight, all right? And so uh, Nathan supposed it really, I mean, he's an extremely thoughtful guy. He has... um, He has pondered a lot of aspects of ufology with many of you on many different shows now. He's a very – uh-oh, Flair seems to be changing. Is he a changeling? Anyway, um, so so Nathan has been on many shows. He shared his views with a lot of people. He's becoming very popular on the circuit as he should be. And so I told him I wanted to do a show called Ask Nathan because – Shoot, I heard him on other shows and be like, wow, I have him on our show and ask him some questions. But really, it's actually a little bit more than that. I, I really wanted to take this opportunity to celebrate Nathan, um, not only as my co-collaborator and co-host and the person who created this joint uh, with me, but also as uh, uh, somebody who's been very valuable to the community, to many different people. He has uh, People have sought his counsel. Uh, people have has sought his aid when they were in crisis, and he always answers the call. Um, so tonight, a lot of it was also that I didn't tell Nathan was it's a celebration of him as a brother, as a friend. So uh, with no further ado, I want everybody to put your hands together for my brother, the Prince of Positivity. The, the, the king of ontology, of unpacking, of unboxing, of on-ramping, of charitableness. Give it up for my man, my brother, Money Nathan! Yeah! 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 I know him! I know him! Yes! man. So sweet. I think it's, I, think I just brought, should have brought some tissues with me to this episode. Hell yeah, Nathan. We're going to celebrate <laughs> you tonight. We didn't tell you that part. Uh, we did tell all the mystery guests that part. Very but sneaky. Yeah, we, yes, very sneaky. But you know how I like to surprise. And um, and, I, and, I, and I wanted to, to surprise you a little bit. 
And uh, I, I really do want to hear your views, obviously, or we wouldn't have done this chat. But beyond that, I really want to celebrate what you have done for uh, us as a group, me personally, uh, as, as my friend and collaborator and, and the community. Man, just honored to be with you guys. Y'all are awesome. An, it's an honor to have you because I know pretty much every show out there wishes you were on their show, and I don't blame them. Uh, so anyway, all right, uh, Nathan, but, uh, without further ado, um, I wanted to get us kicked off tonight, but I wanted to do it with a little bit of a softball, you know, okay. question just to get us warmed up, just to get you going. And, Got um, it. so with that, my question is with the entity that Christian people would call God or Muslims would call Allah or even Jews call God. If can you finish this sentence? I believe that God and UFOs are connected hmm. intimately. Because Oh, you want more? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you're that that was the question. I was like I'm, 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 I'm waiting on three or four minutes now. Uh, so, no, I was going to Mad Libs that just one, you know. No, so uh, yeah, I think um, that's that's a that's a that's a great question. Um, it, you know, I I think that whatever the UFO is, whatever it represents, whatever uh, the phenomenon happens to be, it is intimately connected to what we consider to be the the divine. And you know, there are different ways of understanding the the divine. Um, I, I personally don't think of it in the same way that I did, you know, when I was younger, uh, in the kind of classical sense, you know, the sort of anthropomorphic, uh, person type entity that's just, uh, bigger, uh, more powerful, more, uh, more all knowing, more present than a regular human. You know, so I don't think of God in that way. Um, I've kind of come to think of God more so as, uh, the sort of ultimate sum of all that there is, um, both has been, is, and will be. Um, and does that have sort of a singular mind or, or way of thinking? I'm not sure that we can classify it in, in that way. And I would, whatever that is, it, it would inevitably be beyond our ability to conceive of it. Um, but I also think that because of the way I've defined it, we are all a part of it. We have a part to play in that sort of cosmic divinity. Uh, we are individual expressions of that divinity, even in our flaws, that uh, in, our, in our greatest moments, in our dark, darkest moments, we, you know, sort of are trying to show or trying to uh, crawl or, or claw our way toward something that, that is better than where we are at that moment. Um, and so, you know, I do think that, um, you know, I kind of also agree, I guess, with some people who believe that it's, it, it's a, it's something that is in process. You know, God is not a done thing. God is not a, a solid sort of finished product. God is in, always in process and is the process by which we all partake. Uh, 
So there is this kind of, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, an evolutionary quality uh, to the divine. And I resonate with that because to me, uh, arriving at kind of a, a fixed way, a fixed thing, seems as if it's almost uh, equivalent to nothing at all. You know, that if, if it's static and unchanging, there's no dynam dynamism, there's no ability to relate. Uh, it's just sort of this monolithic thing. So, I, you know, I'm very much of the opinion that it's, uh, you know, it's always in motion. As far as the UFO is concerned, I think that uh, these are glimpses of other aspects of whatever that is. And they intersect with our lives in ways that are profound and uh, dangerous and beautiful. And they cause us to react and to act and to reflect and to create and to grow. Uh, they are stimulants to our personhood and our culture and our universe. And I think in our relating with them, we also are like that. You know, I think we kind of, uh, in the UFO topic, we can sort of put ourselves in a little bit of a small position in this grander scheme. But really, in my opinion, we're all in this dynamic dance and relationship and and we each bring something to that that is deeply meaningful so long uh, answer so, to your question. no that that was beautiful and it was exactly what i would have expected and 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 wanted and it's interesting that i always think talk about self-reflection i was telling deb the story the other day that one of our guests alluded to that i used to use this analogy when i was flying and i used to come back from flying You'd have a post-mission debrief with everyone. They might tear your ass up if, if you did something wrong or they might praise you. And then I would do my own, my own internal debrief and go, okay, what did I do wrong? What can I learn? And I used to tell other, other aviators, I used to say, dude or do that, if you didn't learn anything, if you're making that statue of yourself out of that raw material, you have your chisel and you'll get to every time you learn something, you, you whack that chisel. Mm -hmm. By the end of your career, that statue should look just like these aviator statues they used to give at retirement ceremonies. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't learn something, I, I think you probably didn't try hard enough uh, because every, uh, every time you go flying or anytime you do anything in life, do one of these shows is an opportunity to learn about you, to learn uh, as well as the guest, mm -hmm. and to look at your own performance and see what could you have done better. And if you don't do that, then you're probably not going to get better. Yeah. Um, the other thing is I ne didn't expect you to say is that God is, is, is evolutionary because I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's not a classical sort of, uh, concept of God, uh, because classical, I, I'll speak to monotheism, you know, the, the big tenets are omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence, right? Uh, you have all those omnis, uh, there's not really much uh, change there. This sort of introduces a lot of classical problems, too, like the problem of free will, uh, the problem of evil. Um, theologians have come up with interesting ways to sort of incorporate or address those questions. Um, from my own perspective, you you sort of need to 
give up some of those omnis in order to make room for our freedom and to allow for evil. Uh, otherwise, I think you have a flawed uh, God. So, um, you know, but th that's why I don't asc ascribe to kind of those particular tenets uh, of the divine. Um, but uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, like it, 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 there's a lot about our own experience that if we really have lived long enough and we've reflected on it, I believe maps onto what greater consciousness is and 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 it could because if if we couldn't if we couldn't map something onto it we would never be able to relate with it you know that there has to be a through line some kind of corollary you know for us to have a, any meaningful relationship you know uh, otherwise it's it's like two ships you know passing and that will never actually intersect will never create anything together um so you know, if there's a God that uh, I will kind of lean on this principle of love, you know, that there, but love is means a lot of different things to different people. But I think it can mean something, or I tend to think it means uh, this sort of deeply redemptive quality that no matter what you are, who you are, what you've done, where, where you've been, it, you know, there you will find redemption somehow, some way over time, you, you know, you will get there. And that, that's through this kind of recursive process. Um, and if we don't have that, you know, that feels terrible for, for all of us. I mean, who hasn't made a mistake? Who hasn't failed? Who hasn't needed redemption and, and grace and forgiveness? I mean, please show me that person. I don't think they exist. They don't. <laughs> it's the most human thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can't take all this action, so I got to pass it over. That was thank you for that uh, incredible answer. So everybody who's watching right now can see exactly why <laughs> we did an Ask Nathan episode. Kevin, please go ahead, sir. Hmm. I want to go back to those omnis, those three omnis <laughs> you were talking about. I thought those were interesting because hotel is also one. Yeah, but not the Dodge Omni from the eighties because the, those no, cars no, really that, were not good. I, yeah, that right, got carved go out in the fourth yeah. century. They just took that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Well, I think the the a lot of the those omnis are a lot of that is mirrored in what we're seeing in the uh, the UFO a phenomenon. Mm. You know, I'm I'm seeing a lot of that. It's, I mean, UFOs really just like God. It forces us to confront our our reality. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, Jung Jung theorized that the blips on the radar may just be a projection of human consciousness interacting with this technology. Yeah. You know, I mean, looking at the UFO phenomenon and the different interpretations. I mean, it seems clear that we're obsessed with that savior figure. We're obsessed mm. with those omnis. So do you think that maybe a portion of these experiences are possibly a projection of those cultural values, maybe? Wow. 100%. Uh, that's yeah. an awesome question, Kevin. But yes, yes. I, I do think so. I do think that our, the, all of the ways in which we are not, that we want to be, leave open space in our lives and in our societies for what should be what we want to be and there's a lot of room that is created in that vacuum and that's why we are drawn to many different expressions of these qualities and characteristics that you just mentioned we see in those things our own failures 
you know, our own inability to uh, do the right thing when, when, when the moment demanded it to, um, you know, overcome an illness that, that, that ruins our life or the life of someone that, that we love, you know, our utter helplessness in the face of these moments, you know, we see in, in phenomena that sort of glimpse of a promise that there could be some way to solve this. It could be an out for us. You know, what, what is that? And I, when you, we want that, it's very alluring and attractive. We need that, uh, whatever that power happens to be. Um, so I think for me, yes, the answer is yes, but also it's, it's also very dangerous. You know, we have to be very careful not to, uh, overly sort of commit or ascribe or wrap ourselves up into whatever that is. And in so doing, ignore what we can be doing right now on our own to, to get there. You know, there's a lot of, religion, you know, has a lot of great things, but one, some things that it can do that can be harmful is it can be a crutch for people. You know, oh, well, that, that's not really me. Like God planned that for me, you know. Um, this disaster, you know, oh, it's terrible. That, 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 that's God's plan. You know, so it, it, you know, the, the climate is falling apart. Well, that, uh, that's God. That's, I don't really have to worry about, you know, being eco-friendly or whatever. That's just part of the plan, you know? So yeah. you can see how this is a terrible way of thinking. Like it, it puts off what we could be doing right now to, to make this better. So I think we have to be very aware of that and not put too much of our hope onto the phenomenon to, to save us and solve all of our problems. And what, what's very interesting about Kevin's point is that that occurs even in people who are very fulfilled in life. And it's not necessarily somebody who's really, really empty and looking for someone like, like uh, you know, the people that tend to join a cult and so on and so forth. But, but uh, people who are very fulfilled, like us, you know, here on this, you know, on, on, on cab. I mean, we're, we're living pretty fulfilled lives, but yet, we want we want to find out what this is all about, and I guess to differing degrees, I think different. We have you know our missions are slightly different, uh, but they they all sort of in, intermingle somewhere. And but you know without that, uh, amazing question, Kevin. And you showed people exactly why you're here. Is uh, regardless of the fact that you're funny and you come up with bits and videos and make us all laugh, is that you have brilliant questions and thoughts and. Um, I'm really glad that we have a platform here where where you know people can hear that. So uh, somebody that people are hearing a lot of lately, and when I say a lot, I mean a lot. <laughs> Put your hands together for Deb. What you got? Okay, so mine also is a religious <laughs> question. So apparently, we just want to come at you with a religious <laughs> question. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> And by the way, there are uh, more in comments. I've seen a few, so hopefully we'll get to those at the end. Um, yes, Deb, there is. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're all religious. Okay, so my question is, uh, do you think people who are um, religious or who were previously religious are more inclined to accept UFOs and the phenomenon um, rather than those who are not? Yeah, that's a great question. I think... There is kind of a, 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 a little bit of a priming that has happened 
if you've had kind of deeply held religious belief, um, because you've already made room for non-human intelligence. You've already, <laughs> you can go to a church service or a synagogue or, or, or what have you, and you can, you can do that any day of the week or any, any time of the week. And you can, they're engaging with something that isn't human, that they are trying to engage with something that isn't human through the r ritual that they practice and the prayers that they say, you know, uh, otherwise it's, it's purely ceremonial. And, and of course, I think there are some religious communities where it is purely ceremonial, where they really don't believe that uh, <laughs> when they say a prayer, there's something listening, you know, they're just, yeah. they're just doing it. And I, you know, I respect that too. Um, but I think, if you spend any time in a religious community uh, and you've, you've ever found yourself in a place of earnestly believing or wanting to believe, then I do think that uh, you are, or you should be more open to different possibilities. Now, that being said, uh, depending on the nature of your belief, it can be, and this is true. I will say this is true for both the religious and non-religious, depending on your beliefs, that they can be quite a strong sort of uh, fortress that that you create around yourself that that is in many ways like an impermeable you know you 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 do not allow and permit any sort of aberrant thought to enter to the inner end of that, that fortress that is going to you know erode the foundation that you've worked so hard to erect and and you see this happen with people who are really fervent believers who end up having a crisis of faith. The crisis comes about because the generally because their walls have been so uh, strongly built and, and and you know sort of defended that all it took was kind of think of it like as a meteor you know came out of in, into their universe from from somewhere else and was so powerful that it that it you know, broke one of the walls open and, and they didn't have the tools necessary to put it back together. And instead of trying to do the work of putting it back together, or let's say expanding that structure, they just said, you know what, I, we're just going to leave. I can't live in the castle anymore. Castles aren't safe because meteors destroy them. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go out into the country and just be a free roaming person and I'll never be hit by a meteor again. Uh, do you see how that mm -hmm. analogy kind of works? And you see that happen quite often. So that Something happens that didn't fit the narrative that they thought, you know, based on their religiosity was going to be. And they're like, oh, you know, that's the crisis of faith. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't. They don't and, and it shakes them so much that they just they don't want to uh, to try to repair that in a way that it, it could be something new. They just want to abandon it. You know, so I I. I empathize. I've been through that myself, you know, in some ways that's easier to walk away uh, than to try to do the work to repair it. Uh, but you know, sometimes you should walk away. Let's, let's, you know, I, I don't want to say that, that that's a bad choice. Sometimes it's the right choice. I, I did want to say, Nathan, that uh, we got to congratulate Maxie McCabe because Max is going to be a stand in for James Cordon on a production. I, I don't remember what the production is. And and while he's doing that, I thought like Flair was auditioning for Tron because it looked <laughs> right. It looked like I was like, wondering okay, about that. I'm going to yeah. be on the Tron motorcycle. And he, I love he, that movie. Yeah. So if anybody any out there is working on another Tron, if you would please give Flair a call, that would be mm -hmm. awesome. Um, I 
<laughs> at Flarius underscore Kevin on on Twitter if you'd like to contact Kevin about appearing on your in your movie. Uh, but anyway, I'll send a headshot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got discovered. I was For almost you, a power a shoulder ranger. Shot. Is, is, oh, yeah. Almost a Power Ranger. People mm-hmm. put those hands together. Incredible. Um, I have a question from one of my high school friends. I want to talk about her real quick. Uh, Audrey or Her- Audrey Herrer, State School. Uh, Audrey was uh, my classmate from '85. She is the one that had the experience that Linda Zimmerman came and interviewed her family. Oh, wow. So she had one of the most prolific UFO sightings of the '80s. Uh, that such that uh, that Linda came to the neighborhood and interviewed her and her father, who was a police lieutenant at her home. Um, and it was a, a large, slow moving, triangular, silent craft that came right over their house in broad daylight. Wow. Uh, on like a, a weekend afternoon. And there were other neighbors that saw it. So Audrey, uh, who is not only is she a UFO experiencer, but she's an extremely positive person she's helping me track down classmates and teachers actually uh for the the uh classmate show that we're doing the hen hud show so thank you audrey love you a lot and here's your question audrey says i do not so she starts off with a a comment i do not believe that uh aliens built the pyramids but i do wonder nathan if the egyptians did see and encounter alien crafts back then as some of their paintings depict objects that do not seem to be the sun, planets, or birds. Mm. What is your opinion on crafts possibly traveling to Earth way back in early Egyptian times or even before that? Love it. Great question, Audrey. Uh, I think it's very possible. I think that our uh, you know, human civilization is... Um, the, 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 the story there is, is not finished. And, uh, you know, if there's one thing that I've learned in my short life, uh, the things that we felt really sure about, you know, archaeology and history and, you know, we've solved this and this is it. Here's the encyclopedia. We're done, guys. Um, those things, I think, are still in many ways open questions. Um, and so I do think there is, uh, you know, it's possible that that, yes, you know, that they saw some things in the sky and and. Uh, tried to capture that phenomena both in you know in their story their their writing their even their architecture uh you know the one thing that i kind of envy about the ancients honestly is um they don't have electricity they they don't have the clutter of nightlight that removes our ability to see the the grand tapestry of the sky Right. And uh, you can only anyone who's lived in a really dark part of, of wherever they are, if, if you find if you've ever had the opportunity to be out in the wilderness or someplace that's incredibly dark and it's a clear night, no moon, you'll know how bright it actually is with all of the starlight. And it's not hard at all to imagine our ancient human family, you know, gathering as the day has come to an end, looking up at the sky and just taking it all in. And, and you know, what a show. Uh, and I think there could be all kinds of things that they would have observed, both uh, what we would call natural phenomena, but also, uh, you know, potentially, you know, craft and, and other kinds of things from, that, from outside our normal experience. Let's put it that way. 
I'm going to pass it to Kevin Nathan, but I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you if you had a, a hypothesis about them helping to build the pyramids one way or the other. Mm. Man, that's a great question. Uh, the pyramids really, I mean, I love them, man. They fascinate me. Uh, my brother got to go to Egypt when he was younger, uh, and I was really jealous that he got to go and see them. Uh, it just so happened to kind of line up that way. Um, I'm torn about this one. So part of me wants to be like, yes, like that would be very cool. And it kind of hints at this maybe deeper relationship that we may have had with these others that helped us construct these phenomenal structures. Um, the counter argument to that is, uh, as many people have said, if you sort of ascribe it to them, it kind of diminishes the capability or capacity for humans like us to be able to be smart enough, creative enough to do it ourselves. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a weird um, sort of thing there. I, I think romantically I'm way more attracted to the idea that, you know, that they, they either did it or helped us do it. Right. That that's right. a way to me, a way cooler story. I loved Stargate. I thought that scene in Stargate, the movie was awesome. So yeah, I, I, you know, the dreamer in me says yes. Uh, but I do want, you know, I just like everybody, I want to know like what, sure. what, what really happened there? How do, how did they really do it? I'm sure Kevin, and thank you for that answer. That was, that was great. Uh, I, I know that uh, Kevin probably has strong feelings at it, but I gotta I gotta turn it over to him. He has the floor. All right. Well, I mean the whole pyramid ancient alien thing, it's I don't know, there's fourteen seasons on it. Fifteen. I can't beat that. So I'll go on to something else. I have yeah, actually sure. a another listener question. One from Benji. Yeah. So, but Benji, yeah. we're celebrating Benji's, you on cap, Benji's Benji. Awesome, dude. Good he's guy. so cool. I've been talking to him lately on Instagram. He's, he's, a, he's a great guy. Celebrating that brother. Yeah. Okay, he has two questions, actually. The, the first one is, uh, who was more handsome, you or uh, Exo? <laughs> ah! Yeah! <laughs> we need some hints there. Uh, we... <laughs> I will tell you one thing. Uh, we He's taller than me. Uh, I'm not mm. very tall. He's taller than I am. Uh, we actually have a similar complexion. So um, he has a Welsh heritage. I think I may have some uh, Welsh in my heritage as well. Uh, we both have a fondness for wearing hoodies. Uh, so, you know, that's our clothing item of choice. Hmm. Uh, I think we're both devilishly handsome. That's just... Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it, man. What an I'm honest answer. I'm the same answer. person. <laughs> I, we don't know that they're not the same person. It's true. I, true. I mean, because Nathan, when he came on the show and he was an avatar, that didn't, what, you know, like that could have been Nathan. So I, I don't know. It's an open anyway, question. It yeah. is, it's an open question. Best kept secret in ufology right there. <laughs> Debs, go ahead, darling. <laughs> oh, did you want to do the second punchy question first, Blair, or no? You're going to wait on that. I mean, if we, I'm sure we got time. We're only at the 30-minute mark. So. Okay, okay. We'll go back to it. Okay, so I also have an exo question. Everyone's just, like, laying the groundwork for me today. My question <laughs> is, knowing that you and exo are often on the same page, what would you say is the thing you disagree about? Mm. Yeah, oh, I could, a, I could answer that one, but go ahead. That's a very good question. <laughs> I can answer that. Oh, man. I'm sure there are several things. Um, Exo, as you all know, 
has uh, has a deep, deep knowledge of this topic. Like, um, it's impressive. I, I'm always in awe of what he knows uh, and his command of the literature and everything. Um, and and on top of that, he's an experiencer. So uh, where we sometimes, you know, conflict or it's hard to even use that word because we, we don't really get into into beefs or arguments, but, uh, uh, you know, I not being an experiencer, uh, am still in the camp that needs that, that needs something else. Like that needs something more than just, uh, you know, convincing, uh, the majority of convincing anecdotes or data or whatever, even knowing people who've experienced. So I'm a very trusting person. I, I believe people very much when they tell me that they've experienced things. Um, even if I have not, I, I, I do take them at their word, but because I have not had one myself, I am I'm, I'm a step removed, you know? So I, I think in some ways, and he's mentioned this to me, you know, he's like, you seem to do a really good job of being on the fence a lot. And I was like, well, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, I kind of that's have to be, you know? Um, and you know, it, I've talked about this in some ways before, but, um, faith is important in our life. Like, I think we all have faith in some things and I'm not talking even religious things. We do things every day where we have faith that things are going to happen in a particular way. And, you know, often they do, but, uh, sometimes they don't. And so, uh, I'm not down on faith and I think it's important. So there are times where I myself I'm going to put a lot of faith in a certain aspect of the phenomenon and believing more firmly that that's real and putting less faith in other aspects of the phenomenon uh, in saying, you know, I'm pretty, I'm kind of a skeptic. I'm a doubter. I'm not really sure that that part of it is real. The, the, and, but the reality is, and I think this is true for everyone. We, you know, unfortunately we, we really like to label a lot, like to say, well, I'm, I believe this and that's just who I am. You know, I'm an ex person, <laughs> you know, I'm, I have, there's no, you yeah. know, the barriers are strong. I'm totally that person. That's it. I think that's really uh, in, in many ways kind of disingenuous. And I don't think is true to our own lived experience. I think we are complex there are moments where we are we're really strongly believing something and other moments of, of deep doubt. And that's OK. That, that's all part of the package. So, um, you, you know, it's a long answer to your question. I know you're looking for like a singular thing. Um, so I, if I were to give a singular thing, um, I think what would I struggle with there? Probably. Well, he, again, he's, he, he's being an experiencer and I have not, like, that's mm -hmm. probably one area where, you know, I, I, I just, I really wrestle with that because the experiences themselves are so diverse. Um, I do, again, believe what people say, but I have a hard time, like just making sense of it all. I think he actually has a really good explanation for that, uh, which he will, you know, elucidate over time. But, um, you know, for me right now, it's I, I find that difficult to reconcile just kind of all of the different experiences that, that we hear about. Yeah, the, I, I would say that's the, the main difference I see is that you are a little bit more. I'm going to use one of the words that you use. You're a little more charitable to skeptics. Oh, my God, Nathan, we've had a malfunction. My studio is just coming good. apart back here. Yep. First, uh, he's in Tron. That's the background. This is Exo, right? He's doing it to me. He's, he is. He's, I was going to blame the phenomenon. 
I was yes. going to say, <laughs> it was like, how dare you say your question yes! us? No, no, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them, Deb. All right. So, uh, Deb, uh, if, if you would drag out an audience question, if you would, one that you really like. And uh, I was going to say regarding Exo Academian. Uh, so, yeah, he's a little bit harder on skeptics, uh, uh, certain types of debunker type skeptics. Mm. He, he and I are a little more in alignment on that than than you are but i respect yeah. you know both positions that's that, that's, that's what an I excellent heard. that's a i'm really glad you brought that up that's a great observation uh i am a lot more uh open or even keel i think to people that are in that camp um and the you know I, and i really and I, I actually kind of admire people that that aren't you know that are much more you know oh the skeptics like they're just crazy you know i i, I just have a hard time going that down that path it's gray it's gray right you have yeah. skeptics that are that present some some really interesting and valuable things and make us look a little deeper and then mm -hmm. you have someone who's a debunker to a dishonest level where it doesn't yeah. matter what you show them they're gonna come to the same conclusion because they actually started with that and yes. and they ended their investigation in the same place so yeah yeah exactly so he and i are in the same place on that but uh i also have a question from Oh, first of all, about Exo Academian, mm -hmm. he was going to be our mystery guest tonight. Uh, he had family uh, mm -hmm. coming into town, and so you're probably already aware of that. And so he opted out. Our other uh, legend, uh, who I know you love and respect, as does everybody in, in ufology, and that's James Iandoli. Mm -hmm. James took an extra shift at, at work tonight, and that's probably just to pay for some sort of a gift he's going to buy me. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but no. love that guy. Love that <laughs> guy. Kidding. We love Iandoli. So, so I'm sorry, Exo won't be here. Yeah, everybody's getting mad about it back here. Yeah, well, it's just Deb. You just did that, Deb. You're doing some. <laughs> it's some... not me. Yes, not you me. did that. Poltergeist, man. Deb, the stop it. Happening in my studio right now. Deb, there's, there's never your had experience to... right there. We've yes. we've never had to admonish you on air. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> The lights All start right. flickering. Stop it. Call, call for help. So. Get to the chopper. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't want me and Flair doing Arnold because that, that'll just really take up valuable time. But we love doing it. Um, so uh, go to uh, the audience question, Debs, that, that you had, if you would. Okay, well, we do have several. Um, and I think the one that is pretty interesting that I want to get to first is um, what do you think? basically has to occur for the tide to turn and for us to have universal acceptance related to the phenomenon. And that's from ask an alien. I yes. answered this question the other day, but go ahead. I love this question. I'm just going to put it up real quick. So everybody can, can see it. What's uh, up brother from Canada. Fantastic question. And there's, let me get this other part here. So I'll leave this one up because this is kind of the gist of it. So I do think this is, um, you know, to me, this is the question I wrestle with often the most is, you know, what is that combination of things? I think of it like one of those, um, what are they called? Those kind of ancient puzzle boxes where you have to click everything into place before you can unlock it and mm -hmm. you can open the, open the box and there's a, you know, you keep, keep stuff inside of it. Um, there's a cool term for it and I forget what it is. I have one from Ankara. So. There you go. So I think of it kind of like that, that the that there are these many pieces that have to kind of click into place in order for this to be widely accepted. Um, 
I don't think it's just a matter of our governments, you know, kind of being like, Hey, we're, we don't, there's some weird stuff out there. We don't know how it works. And, you know, it's real. We've already gotten that. And, and so most people don't, don't even care. don't know. Uh, so it's going to be a lot more than that. And I think it's going to take a combination of factors that involve the individual experience. So I think that there is an element to which uh, many people throughout the world, both alive and and who have passed, have shared experiences, and those experiences are going to uh, kind of resonate within the individuals whenever certain revelations happen. Uh, so what do I mean by that? That when certain aspects of of this reality become like entered into the public discourse and those aspects match to experiences that people have had and that their family members have had in the past. It's that moment that generates additional kind of the building of the wave, you know, the accumulation of that force. And we already, we're already seeing that happen. This is why I think disclosure is, is relational. It's dynamic. It's uh, it's, it is like a dance where, where you're, where there's a little sort of extended piece. And then someone else says, why, well, you know, I have something to add to that story as well. And together something, something new is created that is distinctly different than just those pieces themselves. Uh, and so eventually this just, it, it continues to build and build until we have, until it becomes the norm, until it is the normal sort of fabric of our reality. Um, that's unless something incredibly profound happens, mm -hmm. and this would to me be, you know, the the unavoidable, inexcusable, unmistakable insertion of whatever this is into our normal frame of reference. Uh, unless that happens, I think this is going to be a generational shift. It's going to take many you know, many, many generations for us to kind of fully get around to whatever this sort of is. Uh, I would obviously prefer <laughs> that it'd be, you know, a little bit more dynamic and, uh, you know, kind of like a punch to the gut, um, just, be, just to satisfy my own curiosity. But I also kind of respect that because that hasn't happened yet, there could be a very good reason why that's not happened yet. And uh, that reason could be uh, the safety of, you know, everyone on the planet, you know, that it just need, we need, it needs to be gradual in order for us to be at a place where we can cope with what it happens to be. Uh, but I think the momentum is clear. I think we are moving in that direction and, and we could get pretty far uh, even if we don't have that, you know, sort of landing on the white house lawn or whatever, I think we can get really far. Well, I, Deb and I have had this conversation on several. Uh, uh, go ahead, Deb. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's okay. I was just thinking that whatever is going on, whatever the ultimate um, result is, we're definitely in a point in history where either future humans, the real ones that we know will happen one day, are going to look back and say, man, did you know they believed that they were ET? Or they're going to go, did you know they didn't realize that they had entities living on their planet like back then? <laughs> like, you know, like, like who knows how they're going to interpret it, but it's yeah. just interesting to think about that. I think about that sometimes what our, um, 
future humans are going to think of us in this time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we don't have to, you don't have to think too hard because uh, we already think things like that about our ancient ancestors. You know, oh, they had no idea exactly. that germs were a real thing. What, what a bunch of idiots, you know? Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and exactly. it turns out that that biome is like bigger than our own, you know, has more biomass than, than our own. So it was there the whole time. Right. So what, what I think the same thing will be true. And I, I like Rich Hoffman's interpretation today. He was on, if you guys check out uh, um, at that UFO podcast with uh, chilling with Andy McGrillen, uh, Rich Hoffman from SCU is on there today. He's also a government contractor. And he had a, an interesting take when they asked him about consciousness and the phenomenon. And, you know, he thought, well, if I, I don't think that my consciousness can manifest this craft that's right now being painted on radar that's that's reflecting a return so he kind of you know there's there's so many different interesting possibilities i think extraterrestrial there may be no there may be irrefutable evidence about that 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 are that john ramirez has alluded to and there may be evidence that future humans and there may be evidence that there are some beings that are under the ocean so i i, I think you know, the most likely, you know, that all of these could be true. But right. uh, but what I was going to say to you, Nathan, I, I mean, Deb and I have had lengthy conversations about this, but I would say even any type of craft hovering above a major city to the for the amount of time that news trucks, you know, your NBC affiliate, your Fox affiliate, you know, your CNN affiliated uh, local news stations can get out there with the truck and a camera and film it. I think that would I think that would do it for everybody. I mean, if you're looking at a, a half hour event and then it sort of rises up into the sky like the one that, that uh, at the United Terminal at, at uh, Chicago O'Hare, mm-hmm. something like that happens. But 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 it, but they're able to capture it and they they can't hide it at that point because it's live on your local news. Right. And th- and then those they're feeding it to those major cable news networks. I think that then I think everybody's going to say. Okay, I, but you know what? I, I would leave open that some people might say, "Oh, it's a Russian craft, man." <laughs> yeah. Totally. Oh yeah. Or I knew all that's secret tech. I knew the government had all along. Or yeah. even if a being walked out of it, they'd be like, "Yeah, that's some secret Area Fifty One like bio robot thing that we've had." I mean, it, yes. this is the world we live in, you know. So I saw that at Disney, man, in the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> exactly. They could do that years ago. Yeah. Come on. I mean, Come on. That's... Show me something real. All right. Uh, I have a question from Vinny Adams, uh, our brother. So uh, Vinny is also part of the Anomalous Podcast Network. Uh, The Disclosure team, he had Rick Doty on today. What's up, Rick? I got to catch that one. So, yeah. So he was on today. And um, uh, Nathan, he would like, uh, Vinny would like your views on uh, today's bombshell article by Tim McMillan. uh, If you would, please. Yeah, today was a big day uh, for the topic. Uh, so a huge shout out to Tim McMillan and the debrief and the hard work that they do. That was a story, uh, from what I understand, that was two years in the making. Uh, that's a long time to be patient. <laughs> um, so, you know, I read it. I thought it was incredibly powerful. There are a lot of takeaways from that piece. Um, one, I'm just incredibly grateful that that a person like that isn't allowed to sort of be there any longer Mm -hmm. um and 
for different for different reasons. You know, uh, the UFO one is obviously important to all of us. That if this was a person who was obstructing uh, our sort of ability to get the truth, and they were doing that willfully or maliciously, then I mean, good riddance. You know, I don't think that's the kind of public servant that we need. Um, but there were obviously even even other reasons why that person shouldn't have been allowed to be, you know, at the, at the Pentagon any longer, uh, creating a hostile work environment, you know, with, uh, uh you know, s- sexual impropriety and that kind of thing. Like that's just not okay. You know? Right. Uh, um, so, I mean, we should be championing and, and be very glad to see that that person, uh, you know, isn't there any longer, uh, because it's just, I can't believe we're still dealing with things like that, uh, in some of those powerful places, in the world. Um, and I can at the same time, you know, we, we bring our humanity to the workplace and, uh, you know, sometimes that can be pretty difficult to, uh, to, to remain professional. Uh, yeah. but at, at any rate, glad that he's gone. Um, as far as like what this means for UAP, uh, I think, um, I think it's just the beginning of some pretty amazing things that we're going to learn. I think, uh, that, to me, this further vindicates, and you know, if you're keeping score at home, everybody, uh, Lou Elizondo has got a lot of points on the board. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, like a th- he's like a thousand to one. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I'm really tired of the, uh, you know, kind of the Lou bashing. Um, I, I just, I, you know, I, I, to me, he's, you know, he's proven that he, what he says is what is happening. Um, does it happen at the speed that we want it to happen? No. Uh, is he perfect? Absolutely not. You know, should we idolize him and put him on a pedestal? No, no. he doesn't want that. Uh, no one should want that. Uh, it, I, I think he's he's not alone in what he's trying to do, but he 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 appears as if he is alone because there aren't a lot of others sticking their necks out who have the background that he had uh, to kind of push uh, for what he's pushing for. So it, I think it seems like it's you know just. Lou on his own sort of crusade and in his own delusion, he's out there trying to do these things. And I think that that's a, anyone who knows any, any other aspect of this story uh, on a deeper level knows that is completely untrue uh, and not couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, But, you know, all that said, I I look forward to the day when we have other Lou's, you know, I, I like everyone else want to see more James Lekatsky's. You know, more Gary Nolans, more Lou Elizondo's, uh, Jim you know, Semivan, Semivans, more David Travers, more Alec Dietrichs, more Hal Pudoffs, more John Eric. Ramirez. Just mm-hmm. all of these players. Uh, you know, we can't just can't just continue to be this kind of group. It need, it needs to expand, and uh, and I think it is, and I think it will uh, in ways that people, you know, may may shock people. Um, so I, I think uh, there's some exciting thing, things ahead, and we are it's still a long road. But to me, it also says, at least I'm reading between the lines here, this is totally my opinion, that article also says that uh, there are some powerful allies above a person like Gary Reed who made this happen, you know, who, who kind of ousted this guy. Uh, because I think institutional inertia, like generally, allows people like this to just stay sort of entrenched. Uh, they're very hard to remove mm-hmm. for many reasons. 
That's right. Um, takes powerful people to kind of shake this loose. So I think there are some very strong allies in the in the Elizondo camp or or the camp that are looking hard at this. Uh, and that's pretty cool. That's really to me very encouraging. Uh, it speaks a lot to what might be happening in Congress and the kind of underlying uh, veracity of the claims and of the subject matter itself. Yeah, and by the way, I guess this is a good time to talk about uh, the guy who has brought us uh, all this disclosure and done and uh, really put himself on the line and done an amazing job, whether you like him or not, is immaterial. What he's done is irrefutable. But uh, I'd like to point out right now that uh, Lou Elizondo and maybe Jennifer Elizondo will be on cab wow. 18 May. So be there. I actually amazing. scheduled my surgery one day later just to make sure we're going to get Elizondo on because he's been such a such great guy. And uh, his wife's been really cool in uh, in dealing with us. Very, very funny. So uh, anyway, um, so I'm, you know, I have a, a situation going on in the other room with the dogs where apparently my wife forgot to close the blinds. And so they're going nuts. <laughs> so I'm going to go off camera and let you guys continue with Ask Nathan. I'll be right back with you in a second. Gotcha. I think you're up, Flair. Okay. Well, cool. So, okay. Well, Nathan, first I'm going to throw a compliment your your way. I mean, you just blew me away with what you were saying. I mean, where does this all come from? Like, you're you're a great speaker, man. Like, you talk. Okay, I don't know what. So, um, basically, I got a question about that. So, I've analyzed, like, and try to model how you structure your questions. That question I asked earlier, that was all. That was all you. That was based on you, man. Mm. Yeah, I have a lot of. I have a lot of respect for you. Thanks, Kevin. Um, so I, I want to know. Um, What's your formula for asking those deeper questions when you when you when you look at a guest? Like, mm. yeah, that's a good one. Um, I so it comes in part from who a little bit of who I am, but also kind of where I grew up. Uh, so my dad was a minister. I was listening to sermons uh, at least once, sometimes twice uh, every week of my life until I went to college. So. Uh, for about half of my life, um, was just absorbing, you know, kind of the way that that he went through material and interacted with people, uh, and interacted not just with people but with the uh, with the Bible, you know. So um, there, anyone who's been in a community like that knows that the if you're investing time in, in a text uh, in that way. Uh, and this is, this could be true if you were a huge fan of, um, uh, you know, of a classic li literature piece of Shakespeare. You know, you could invest a lot of time in, in Shakespeare's plays or, or his sonnets. Uh, they're all beautiful. And uh, and if you're wrestling with that content, hopefully it's evoking and creating content of, of, of new quality in your own mind. You know, so this is... Uh, something I suppose I picked up through osmosis, but, but because I was around people so much uh, from many generations when I was uh, uh, just a regular churchgoer, uh, I got, I got, you know, kind of forcibly had to get comfortable with interacting with, uh, you know, older people who weren't in my immediate family uh, with uh, the middle-aged people, you know, who, who I thought really old when I was a kid <laughs> and now here yeah. I am. 
Um, <laughs> but you know, the more that you interact with the, those folks and they're not in your own family, the more you start seeing them as part of your family. And that's what I bring to all of, or I try to, I'm not great. Perfect. I try to bring this though, to all of the interactions that I have with people whom I intersect with. Uh, and this is why I have such a big hard for community because I, I know the value of being seen. You know, we've all been in a, in a place at some point in our life where we've been in that person in the room that you feel like you're invisible mm -hmm. and you want so much to be seen and we all need to be seen at some point. And so I try to see people and I try to hear people and meet them where they are because doing that not only gives them something, but it gives me more. You know, so it's a, in a way it's a little selfish because uh, I have seen the value of 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 giving to others and of welcoming them and of making space for them in my life. Uh, even those who I don't agree with, even those who um, may not have the best th thoughts for me, um, I still try hard to to see them and make space for them. And so, you know, to answer your question, Kevin, it, it kind of starts with, with that, you know, trying to see the person who is there and be present to them and then work my way out from that to a question that, that I'd like to know the answer to, but more so I just want to hear them talk. You know? Mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome. I mean, your name, it means he gave in Hebrew, I think. I think it pretty much describes you. I think it's it works good. out pretty good. It, it's beautiful. And before I pass it to Deb, I want to say that, uh, believe it or not, Nathan Katiani apparently has even made a video for you. <laughs> and she hasn't made a video for anybody. <laughs> Man, amazing. <laughs> but, but, but she said That's today, awesome. I told her, I said, yeah, today I got home from work. She said, yeah, today's the day we're going to do Ask Nathan. And she goes, I go make video for him. <laughs> So I, I expect that you're going to see a Katiani video and I will, I will post it on our chat as soon as I do. So, awesome. Uh, Please <laughs> tell her thank you. I will tell her thank you as soon yeah, as I see it. Absolutely. <laughs> go ahead, Deb. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead to a question from Anon E.T. Um, it is, would Nathan be interested in initiating contact CE5? And I want to add a, a little comment to that. Um, Nathan co-hosted the Data Dojo with me yesterday, and I believe he was told yesterday that looking into the phenomenon, the phenomenon will look back, and mm -hmm. we've heard that before. So I guess I want your overall perspective on initiating and getting involved personally with the phenomenon. Great question, Anon E.T. I love it. Go that's ahead. such a good one. <laughs> uh, I, I, I am interested. I, I would want to try. Uh, and I would want to try with people who've done it before. Um, if I could try it with James, I would definitely do it. Uh, he's the, one of the most experienced doing that. Um, so yes, I'm very much open to it. I do think, and I'll steal a page from Exo's kind of book here, you know, to do something like that, you, you need to put yourself in the right 
state of mind and uh, and kind of prepare yourself uh, mentally and and spiritually, uh, you know, for whatever that may be. Um, but yeah, I, I I would love to be affected. I would just to have a profound experience like like that that is outside the norm of my day to day. I think that would be really amazing. Nathan, can can um, consciousness be synthetically created? Hmm. I'm gonna say no, um, not only because in my current thinking um, with idealism, uh, consciousness is is the fundamental basis of all that there is. So it cannot be created. Uh, but like, think of it like the ocean, you know, so, uh, it it could be poured into a vessel, you know, so we are vessels Mm -hmm. for that consciousness to occupy for a time. And perhaps, uh, we can create our, our, our vessels as well that, you know, we could pour or it could pour itself into, uh, so it's, you know, certainly possible that uh like a synthetic brain um could could be host to consciousness but not quite the same way that i think we think about it in the popular context that like we're just wiring something together and then we kind of get that one circuit perfect and then boom it's conscious i don't think it kind of works that way i think consciousness uh would have to uh, you know basically occupy the uh the machine and the biology I, th- I think what's difficult about it when we speak about the phenomenon and the only way we can really speak is through the experiences of others, unless we've had one. Of course, Deb has had some, um, you know, Flair has, has touched it, but hasn't had conscious interaction yet. And by that, I mean, he's kind of awake and aware. Deb was, you know, like awake and aware of, of different things, but when you talk about a let's just say like we had Anjali on on the the dojo a, a few week uh, excuse me a week ago and she spoke about interacting with beings and what they made her feel yeah hi Anjali um so uh, i know she's supposed to be driving to Jacksonville and coming down i10 so i may have an opportunity to she asked me uh are you going to so i may have an opportunity to meet her in person i hope so um but my question to you, uh, Nathan, is is they made her feel, and, and others have said they spoke with me telepathically. They made me feel something very rich. It was even beyond just a telepathic spelling out of words that they made me feel a, a whole string of, uh, of a sentence of it that included emotion. So my question to you is when we talk about a being that has that and whether or not it can be imbued with a consciousness that was either derived from human DNA or biology or they got it elsewhere that I wouldn't have any idea where, but can it feel? Because if I ask you to describe a feeling, you, you can you describe a feeling? I mean, mm-hmm. it's near impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, that makes me think of a lot of different things. So, you know, our feelings um, are informed by our perception, you know, our sensor, our senses. Uh, and then we 
uh, we sort of lay on to the sensory experience uh, a, a quality to it, you know. So this this is hot, and that makes me upset, you know. Like I, I feel pain, but it's, it's heat, pain, frustration, annoyance, you know, all these different feelings associated with that. Can I make uh, an example for you yeah. though that you can that would ha- have occurred in your own life? Sure. Let's say, for example, like uh, you have a child and they're it's the first time that they're going to go to school for kindergarten. So it's the first time you're going to walk them to the bus stop. They're gonna the bus driver's going to open the door. They walk up the steps of the bus. They 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 likely will wave goodbye and the bus driver closes the door and they drive off. I've, I'm not a parent, so let me start off with that. Everybody else on this panel is a parent. But there's probably a very powerful feeling mm. that comes over you the first time that happens. And so I'm trying to draw a parallel mm-hmm. that if the phenomenon, an eight-foot-tall mantid, a gray that's either four-foot-tall or five-and-a-half-feet tall, whatever it may be, can they have that sensation that you have when you put your child on the bus for the first time. Mm. No applause are necessary, guys. Just keep it down, okay? I think that's a great question. My answer is I hope so. (laughs) I would hope so. You know, I I would, because what, you know, what, and I've said this uh, elsewhere, but what I've worried about in some of the examples that we hear from in the literature is that, that seems to be a quality that li- that they lack, or at least we are not um, aware that they have it. You know, uh, because the stories we hear about the the feelings are almost absent, or cold, or very monotone in quality. Um, so I, I and that could just be a complete misinterpretation of what those situations are, and also our perception of what's happening in that moment with them. Um, they could have incredibly rich feelings, maybe feelings that are, are feelings we we can't even have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, but I would hope this comes back to what I said earlier that that they can. There is some common touch point because I would want us to be able to relate, you know, in some form or fashion. And I think you know what better way to relate than than things that we can feel, you know, how we can feel about what is around us and how we feel about each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, If we can't have, you know, feelings of of uh, of, uh, you know, sort of um, so I'm looking for, like appreciation and and gratitude and and friendship and all these kind of like, well, then what kind of relationship is that? Like, it sounds like I I could be relating with, you know, with my cell phone, you know, not not, (laughs) doesn't care about me. (laughs) It's okay, Google. It's okay. Siri heard that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, go ahead. So yeah, I so I I don't know if that's where your question comes from, but I I really do think that that's I hope that that they do. I hope that that's part of it. I, for my part, Nathan, I'm really I'm really happy that Deb started stop knocking things off your wall because she was getting ready to knock down the marbles. Right. So, Deb, I'm glad you've that you've got it under control now and that you've chilled. I'm not oh. that powerful. I'm All really right. not. <laughs> yeah. But yet, exactly. Um, the force is strong in this one. But um, I, I have a tendency. I mean, this is, again, you know, these are blind hypothesis, pure 100% speculation. 
I suppose that when they interact, if, if, if these are genuine interactions that we've heard about from a number of people, is that they're interacting you with in a way that they're sort of programmed to think that you're going to respond mm-hmm. rather than that they're feeling. Because, again, when you get to feeling, there's, a, there's so many things involved in it. There's facial expressions, there, you know, furrowing of the brow. There's, there's sometimes there's actually physical sweating. There's all these things that happen. I think that they, they interact with you in a way that they think what you want them to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that they're – I don't know that – this is, again, pure speculation. They're capable of feeling what you feel when your child gets on the bus. But mm. – but with that, I'll pass over someone who does know what that feels like <laughs> and is taking kids off the bus and into the school. That's Kevin. I'm on spring break right now, so Yay! I'm not doing it this week. He should be yeah. in Panama City. Go ahead, baby. Nah. <laughs> I'd rather be talking to Nathan. Can I get an amen? That's right. <laughs> question. Another question from Benji mm-hmm. for Money Nate. So... He wants to know why are why do you think creatives, creative people, are seemingly more in tune with the phenomena than people who aren't? What what attracts us to it? Mm, love that one. Mm. I love that yeah. one. Um. Well, so on one level, I I think we're all creative. I think we have to be kind of reminded that we are. Some of us really need a reminder. <laughs> oh, we all you are. Know? Uh, yeah. All are right here. Yeah. In the like show. you and me. Sure. I, uh, you created I, the show, absolutely. man. Absolutely. Come on. <laughs> so I, I, I say that to say, you know, I know there are a lot of people who, you know, might be listening or out there, uh, you know, who think, think, you know, I'm just not a creative person. I don't, you know, don't draw or I don't, you know, write or I don't do music or whatever it is that you have equated creativity with. You know, you don't do that. Um, and, and I would just encourage you to just to kind of shatter that notion and, and just make something, you know, uh, it could be as silly as, uh, you know, a Play-Doh thing or a Lego thing or a little song you'd, you know, tap out on the, on your desk or just the tune you hum, or, I mean, it could be anything, but it, creativity in some ways is like a, like a muscle, you know, you just have to exercise it. And the more you do that, the more it will give back and, and you'll, you know, it, it will grow. It really will. Um, and I wish I, had, I wish I was doing more creative things. This is a creative outlet for me, which has greatly benefited me in many, many ways. Um, but to his actual question, uh, I think that creativity is a, is a door to unconventional thinking. And uh, creatives are, and particularly those who, are, who we look to as being the greats, you know, the ones who are really skilled, they have a way of looking at the world in, in unique, meaningful ways that, that you and I kind of just ignore. And we, we gravitate to creatives because it's so obvious that they figured it out and we need it. You know, we need what they have uh, because it's meaningful. It speaks to us. It's a food for us in a way. Uh, so um, I think creatives naturally can kind of see between the mundane and even see the mundane and and pull out from that the magnificent and the grand. And when they do that, it's like magic, right? We see it and we're like, we're like, that is magic. And that's just them having a willingness to to try. And I think that, you know, when it comes to the phenomenon, 
perhaps that's what we need more of is a willingness to try a willingness to engage a willingness to see what isn't there uh, to be open to what might be uh, to be sort of shooken out of our uh, stupor uh, out of our kind of waking sleep and you know dream dream while being alive uh, and with our eyes open. I think that then, then, then we make room for it. That's what's amazing. And this comes back to disclosure. You know, we are, we are setting the table for it right now. If you set the table for it, the guests will arrive. You know, it, it will happen. But we have to first imagine that it can and start doing the things that we would need to do to be ready. And I think being creative is is a hundred percent part of that uh, part of that process. And I would say look to the creatives. If you're not sure about the phenomenon, just look to the creatives. <laughs> you know, they've been pointing to it all along. Uh, we just have to see it. And somebody who also is creative in paints that I wasn't aware of is Hermione, mm. also known as Deb. Nice. <laughs> Yes, she didn't do that in Harry Potter. I wonder what she would have painted. But anywho, um, <laughs> I, I, we I got actually, it in. Anywho, yeah. So I wanted to Love say it. that um, there's a question from Juan Falcon, and um, it kind of reminds me of what something we've touched on before previously. We've talked about possible physical aspects that we just don't quite understand yet. Um, I've also yesterday was thinking about, you know, the possible physical aspects of even like spirit and soul um, things that, are, you know, people may not understand. Do you think ultimately there might be a physical aspect that we just can't understand, can't grasp yet? Maybe it's perception like was mentioned there, or maybe it's something like a biofield or, you know, the antenna like Gary Nolan kind of implied with the intuitive part of our brain. Do you think there might be a physical, non-material, more material aspect, you know, something that we can maybe one day actually see under a microscope? Yeah, I, maybe. Um, and this kind of speaks to our capacity for discovery. Um and the limits of our the limits of our ability to to kind of see, you know, right? So our instrumentation is an extension of our perception, and it may it may in and of itself have its own limits because we naturally are also limited in our you know sort of perception uh, in some ways. I think uh, there are certainly aspects of, of this that um, that are accessible to us that we just haven't quite figured that out. Uh, and, but the root of that question, at least for me, and this may not be where you were coming from at all, but for me, when I think about that issue, um, the root of that issue for me is this desire to control it, you know, is this desire for manipulation or mastery. Mastery is a strong word. I know that can be uh, taken, you know, different ways. But what I'm getting at here is, you know, tools for us are ways for us to control, you know, to to control our environment, uh, manipulate aspects of our existence, uh, even our own biology. Um, and so, you know, kind of in a seeking to find those things, 
uh, like the caudate putamen identifying, you know, oh, it's it's this, you know, like th if we we really want to know how we can how we can figure this out, not only just like what it is, but how can we if how can we master it? How can we use it to our advantage? You know, th this is this. Uh, there's a deep seated, I think, need that we have to, uh, you know, to sort of not be wandering through the jungle and know that we could be attacked at any moment. We we want to know that. Oh, okay. If I sharpen the, this thing and I carry it with me, I could be attacked, but I I could also survive. You know, I could be, I could protect myself. So I think that that's that there's this kind of defensive quality for us in, in behind that question that we want to be able to uh, not be uh, subject to it. We want to make it subject to us. Um, and you know, it could be that way. You know, perhaps. Um, but I also think that maybe our kind of real, the, who we really are um, is, is deeper than that may be. You know, it, 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 there may be an element or an aspect to ourselves, and I'm going to point to, you know, sort of the survival of consciousness research and uh, life after death. You know, it could be that we have to cross that kind of Rubicon to kind of get over this uh, desire for control. And maybe when we cross over, we realize how silly it was to try to do all the things we do, you know, to have all this control over everything in our lives. And we just may come to this place where like, I didn't have to do any of that. You know, like it wasn't necessary. Those were the, those are misplaced, uh, you know, sort of de desires or anxieties. Um, and so maybe it's coming to a place where we are comfortable and kind of one with the flow of, of conscious experience. And we just go, go where it goes. Uh, Do you think there's a sense that uh, part of the, the passing on of the human body is, is, is that decision point where someone does decide to let go and yeah, then, uh, and then it, would, it happens. We've heard, yeah, well, we've certainly heard stories like that. Um, where people have been confronted with the choice, like they've been told you can, you can go back or you can, you can stay with us. And people decide to go back. Of course, we only hear from the ones that came back, <laughs> you know, right. so uh, <laughs> they all decided to come back. So, um, yeah, I, I think we have to, you know, sort of treat those stories very seriously. Um, but I think there probably are instances where there is no choice, you know, like there's just, there's not, there's literally nothing to go back to, you know, uh, your, 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 your physical vessel, you know, it, it just can't contain you any longer. Right. It can't support you. It can't support your consciousness right. any longer. Um, Nathan, I want to talk about reality for a second. A lot of people like to talk about realities with you. I feel that there needs to be a certain amount of care taken when a discussion or assertions are made of regarding reality mm. and i'm wondering if what your feelings are on that in terms of how do you feel about the the care and stewardship that you should exercise when discussing or making assertions about particular realities i think we have to be very careful i think that uh we need to take very seriously uh the things that are in our world that that can hurt us uh even if I believe that consciousness is the root of, you know, reality, it still means I need to take uh, that 
lion and that tiger very seriously, or I can't, you know, put myself in front of a moving train mm -hmm. and pass right through it. I think that, uh, you know, we need to be very careful. Um, and particularly we need to be present. This comes back to earlier. We need to be present with those that we interact with and, uh, in part kind of meet them where they are. We, we need to be very mindful of those that, uh, I think have a very delicate connection to reality. Uh, you know, we, we need to, you know, we need to be responsible. I think that's a word that you use. You know, we just, we don't want to encourage folks to, um, you know, kind of say, screw it, I'm out of here and I'm just going to end this life and move on to the net next one. I'd, and I think that that's not a good way to think about existence anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, what, even if there is that reality beyond this physical one, there is value to right now. And you owe it to yourself and you owe it to others around you to find it. Uh, to me, you know, kind of hitting that exit button you know, early just seems like it, 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 it could be premature. Um, but everyone's situation is different, you know, and there are people who are suffering a great deal and, uh, and who, you know, the greatest gift that we could give them would be to give them the ability to end their suffering. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I, I want to honor that as well, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, we can't be flippant, you know, about whatever the, this is. And, we, and we're all working on it together. I mean, no one has this figured out. We can point to all of the sages, all of the physicists, you know, all of the people who have struggled with these questions. And nobody has got a monopoly on the truth at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to listen to them all. Mm -hmm. And we need to work hard Make in our own happen. lives, you know, about what it means for us. Yeah, I and I, by the way, we have about nine minutes left. So, we, and the end part of this is actually going to be Nathan's going to have the floor to just talk about anything that he feels about the phenomenon, the whatever the floor is yours for whatever. But uh, I would, I, I just say, you know, think in terms of not define the reality that you either your reality or what you a reality that you've experienced, but beyond that. I don't think we can define a reality beyond our own reality or another that we've seen or experienced because I've, I hear people speak about realities in a way that could cheapen someone else's reality that they're experiencing. And I, I'm very, very mindful of that. Um, you don't know your re your, the reality is your reality, yeah. not necessarily somebody else's. So with, uh, Flarius, Kevin, well, I guess I'd like to close with something that I found insightful by Jung again, that he's, he's been at this a while. He was researching UFOs in 1958. So I wanted wow. your, your, right? I wanted your insight, um, Nathan, on this line. So I'm going to read it to you. So it says, it depends on us whether we help coming events to birth by understanding them and reinforce their healing effect, or whether we repress them with our prejudices, narrow-mindedness, and ignorance, ignorance, thus turning their effect into its opposite, into poison and destruction. And he's talking about the UFO subject. You know, what What do you think of that line there? That's <laughs> beautiful, right? Uh, yeah, we have to be mentally uh, ready for it to be effective. Um, and 
you know, that we've talked about a little, you know, that in many ways this evening, I think it does come back to that sense of kind of making space, you know, and, uh, and that, and also this sort of notion that the truth could, could show up at your door. And if you're not ready to receive it, you'll turn it away. You know, the thing that you most desperately need, you could turn it away because you're not, you're not paying attention. You're not ready. You know, so I think readiness requires us to do work on ourselves and on our relationships, on our openness, you know, all of these qualities that will make room for new experience and truth. And I can tell you that what doesn't make room is rejection, hatred, you know, closed-mindedness, violence, you know, you, you, you will not find truth through those doors. Beautiful. Thank you. Hermione. <coughs> Deb. <coughs> Debs, I'm, Debs, I'm sorry. I got I, I had the wrong, wrong house. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, one day someone's going to try to find me and you're going to tell them to go to Hogwarts. No. <laughs> She's up work. in Gryffindor, House Gryffindor. <laughs> um, so at one point in time when I was preparing for today's interview, you, I heard you say I'm a very curious guy. Mm. And I wanted to ask, what are you most curious about? And you could say, what are you most excited about? But ultimately, what are you most curious about related to the phenomenon? Mm. What's the question you really <clears throat> want answered? Yeah. Oh man. Great question, Debs. Where does the journey stop? You know, uh, and I hope the answer is it doesn't. You know, but uh, I, I believe that um, whatever it is right now is only a step along a longer journey. Uh, not just with, you know, here we are in disclosure, uh, but in our lived, you know, our life. I think that our life right now is just another stepping stone to something else, but, but what else and for how long, you know, <laughs> and, uh, there's this, there's this part of all of us that wants to preserve ourselves. You know, when we talk about notions of heaven or eternity, we want to preserve who we are, you know, in that, in those spaces, uh, indefinitely. And uh, what's funny about that is we even have lit literature that we can read and look to that reminds us how awful that idea is. And here we're I'm talking about, you know, vampires. <laughs> yeah! Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of the most miserable creatures in, in human lit literature are vampires uh, who have that very existence. So, you know, I guess I, I say that, you know, in a joking way, but also to say to me, there's this need for the new, the, the more, the, the change that whatever, I, whoever I am now, whoever I will be on my last day of breathing, you know, will not be the, the last me, you know, uh, that, that there will be new versions of me that will, I, that I hope will be even bigger, you know, broader, more expansive, and maybe even bleed into all of you. You know, in ways that are that I feel more strongly than I feel now. 
And how cool would that be, you know, to share experience with others in a way that is if it were our own. Like Luke Skywalker at the end when they're there with that that uh, craft and they fire all those weaponry at him and, and his consciousness is still there. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, Nate, what's interesting about Nathan is Nate is and this is a statement and not a question, but you're sort of a paradox in a way because you you're very skeptical of what you really, really want to have an interaction with the phenomenon, a personal interaction where your your family's safety safely aside, but that you can interact. And yet you're very distrustful of what they might say and how that interaction <laughs> might come out. And I find that fascinating. Um, and that's just an observation I have about you is you really want this to happen, but you're going to be very skeptical about them when you meet them and very sort of at ar- holding them at arm's length, um, yeah. which is one of the fascinating <laughs> things about you. But I want to uh, give you the, uh, the floor for the rest of the time before uh, we just close the show. Sure. Well, I, I want to say thank you to all of you guys. Um, I, you know, you didn't have to ask me to do this and I don't know how valuable it was, but I appreciate each of you uh, very, very much. And, um, and I'm really grateful for everything that you guys do for this show, uh, for the heart that you have uh, for people. Um, and I want to thank the people that are listening, uh, you know, who've, deemed it worth some of their time to spend with us. Uh, that means a great deal. Uh, and we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity now. We have an opportunity tomorrow to, to do more, uh, to you know, be more charitable, be more loving, be more generous, be more gracious, be more lis- better listeners, uh, to understand, to seek understanding. You know, every moment we have, we can do those things and we need to try hard to do that. Uh, and if we try hard and try our best to do that and we still can't and we're being uh, rejected and, and those barriers are being put up, well, you know, you tried. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the best that you, you can do. And that's what we need. So I'll leave it at that. Find the, the relative value in all the interactions that you have and, and the 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 love that people show you and fi- find it, look for it and, um, and acknowledge and acknowledge it and um, reciprocate it. Yes. Nathan, um, it's, you know, it, it, it's very difficult to, to put it all into words, but you've done a lot for, for me personally. You know, I'm certain for the other cabbies, for, for the show uh, and for a lot of people in our community. Um, and I'm so happy that we could celebrate you tonight, not just because of uh, your intellect and your ability to ask questions and go on a, you know, go on with a string of brilliant commentary uh, after somebody asks you something, not only because of that, but because of the way you do it and the care that you show everybody, the, uh, that you've shown every one of our guests on cab uh the love and respect and care you've had for all of them even some of them that weren't as nice to us as we would have liked um but that was an example for us you know you've set an example for us and how to interact with the the community with twitter that i think uh all of us cabbies are starting to to kind of fall in line you know i've always said that 
everybody, you know, you, you can be a leader, but you can also be a follower. I'm a leader, but I'm also a follower. Just depends on what the what the topic is of the day. Um, and you can't be a good leader without being a good follower, by the way. <laughs> um, so um, I, I, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done. We want to celebrate you. It is the first Ask Nathan. <laughs> Not going to be the last. <laughs> We just need a little more time to work. Yeah, that's right. Because next time we'll be working on some more people. It's really was uncanny that uh, three people. We also spoke with Priscilla. She had a show. Uh, uh, she actually canceled her show tonight due to severe weather. Mm. Uh, and then uh, what ended up happening, the severe weather is making her dogs and her children interact. And it's going a little crazy. So wow. or she was going to come on as well. And I got to speak with her yesterday and priscilla what an amazing person frank mm. whom we've got we got it we have to we got to figure out a way to get frank back maybe an all british episode we can yes. get um spartacus uh anna <laughs> witty we can get charlotte and we can get frank and and maybe even Vinny. we could just get all british graham. joint Gra graham. Uh, oh graham yes. that's right graham yes. rendell that'd be another one i know i love graham too yeah. uh so yeah, uh, uh, we got to do that. But but anyway, everybody want to celebrate you, Nathan. Thank you so much. We love you, um, and we really appreciate you. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you, Nathan. All right. <laughs> so for Nathan, for Kev, and for Debs, this is DJ saying peace out, one love, and the cabbies will see you down the road because we're always wondering what's up around the bend. Yeah, peace, y'all.